0: And welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters Podcast. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my good friend and fellow Hoops junkie Mark Shanowski.
1: David, we're proud to announce a sponsor for our podcast with the Basketball Podcast Network. It is DraftKings. The NCAA tournament is now in full swing, and the action hasn't disappointed anyone. Unless, of course, you're a Big Ten fan and live in the Midwest Midwest, like David and I, seeing the Big Ten. Getting eight of their nine teams drummed out of the tournament in the opening weekend, including the University of Illinois, a top seed who was knocked out by Loyola. Drafting Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's putting new customers in the center of action. You can bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's really that simple. Turning $1 into $100, well, that's 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. And don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the special promo code TBPN, that's all capital letters, TBPN, when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code TBPN, all capital letters, to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And, David, we're glad to have them on board as a sponsor for all the podcasts being done On the basketball podcast network, and you know, gambling has taken on a life of its own. It used to be nefarious behind the scenes, call your guy, and all that stuff, but now it's a billion-dollar industry, and and the state of Illinois has had kind of uh, fits and starts with gambling, but I think finally they got the mechanism working, and and a lot of people uh, love to do it. So hop on DraftKings, use that special promo code, and turn one buck into hundreds.
0: There's money to be made, Mark, and uh, DraftKings is the place to go. Absolutely a good deal. And, Mark, today we have so much to talk about. We're recording this late on Thursday afternoon. Actually, now it's Thursday evening. And uh, this was the uh, trading deadline day. And I think the Bulls, unquestionably, were the most busy team. We're going to recap everything there is to talk about uh, but here's all you need to know. The Bulls roster was turned upside down and you know you had a feeling it was going to happen um, when they didn't have a practice earlier today. That told me last night that there was going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened.
1: Well, because all the media availabilities are done on Zoom, we haven't gotten the chance to really get to know Artur Skarnishevus or his general manager, Mark Eversley. And the reputation of Arturis around the league is he keeps his cards close to the vest. He doesn't say a lot publicly about what he's thinking and that, you know, he has said in his meat availabilities that he's very deliberate, very patient in his evaluation. So I was kind of wondering, is he going to do anything? Because, you know, there's more options in the summertime when you've got the draft that you can offer, you know where your picks are going to be, you know what you can do potentially in the free agent market. I thought that he might make a small move around the edges, but, you know, after seeing that game uh, against the Cavaliers where they just look god-awful and then some of the games where they've given away earlier in the season, I think AK said, I've got 40-plus games that I've watched. I can tell that these guys are not going to be part of the fit long term. And he kind of decided that uh, those number seven picks the Garpacks made in recent years really haven't lived up to the billing. So he made a big trade very early on trade deadline day. Acquiring All-Star Center Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic. Orlando had said previously that Vuce wasn't available, and then they they reversed course when they decided to blow it up because they also traded Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, which we'll talk about later. But AK jumped in on that, and he didn't just make a you know kind of a weak middling offer that they could easily reject. He put two first-round draft picks on the table. As we all know, first-round draft picks are gold in the NBA and the NFL. So Orlando gets first-round draft picks this year and 2023, which are top four protected in case the Bulls strike gold in the lottery. And they also get Wendell Carter Jr., who was the number seven pick in the 2018 draft, and the big money Otto Porter Jr. contract. So not a bad return for the Magic, but the chance to pair two All-Stars together, of course, Zach Levine and Vucevic played together on Team Durant in the All-Star game a couple of weeks ago. You know, AK couldn't pass it up. He knew he needed to upgrade the center. He also wants to upgrade point guard, which will have to wait till the summer. But he made a very bold, very aggressive move. And for all of us who've watched the Bulls kind of say, well, we want to preserve our cap flexibility. And, you know, maybe we'll get lucky in the lottery for so long. It was it was really refreshing to see.
0: Absolutely. And, you know what, Mark, I think they made these decisions. It didn't happen after last night's game against right. Cleveland. I mean, it probably happened maybe even during the All-Star break, maybe right after the All-Star break. I'm not really sure. But certainly what happened in the five games over the last week, the Bulls went one and four. They blew big leads against San Antonio and Denver. I mean, they were almost carbon copy games, and each one was more embarrassing than the other one. Then they beat a terrible Detroit team, and they are terrible. Um, They got crushed by Utah, and then they lost to a horrible Cleveland team last night. Here's what I think made up his mind more than anything else, Mark. We've talked about this. They've only beaten four teams all season that have a record of 500 or better, and those four teams are all right, right around 500. This team cannot beat a good team. That should have made up his mind right then and there looking at that stat. We're not good enough. We're not even close to being good enough. And even though we're in the rotten Eastern Conference and we may or may not sneak into the 10th or 9th or, or position and play a one game and then you know be sent home – It's really, you know, amounts to nothing. We're just not good enough. So he turned his roster upside down pretty much today. He got rid of five players. I hate to use the word rid, but he basically did. He got rid of five players today, and he really shook the thing up today.
1: Well, he has been pretty uh, transparent in saying that they needed to get a physical center who could defend the paint because Wendell Carter Jr. has been getting carved up by guys like Embiid and uh, Nikola Jokic, and then we saw Rudy Gobert have a big game for the Utah Jazz the other night. And he just realized with the centers he had on his roster, there was no way they could defend the paint, and they had to do something to upgrade that position. Now, we kind of joked about the fact that they had four centers on the roster, including uh, Luke Cornett and Cristiano Felicio, who was only in the league because of the contract that Gar Foreman uh, gave him four years ago. But he traded three of those four centers in one day and he certainly upgraded by bringing in all-star in Vucevic, and Daniel Tice, who was starting for the Boston Celtics, I was watching the game last night when they played the Bucks at, at Fiserv, and Boston came back 25 points down. Daniel Tice got a wide-open corner three to win the game, and he hit it off the back iron. He kind of yelled, screamed like he couldn't believe he missed a shot, and his reward for that was getting traded to the Bulls the next day, so it's not necessarily going from the uh, penthouse to the outhouse, because Boston's now two games under five hundred as well, so uh Tice will really help I think he'll give a a different style of backup to Nikola Vucevic and they've upgraded all around now when you look at the roster they were kind of heavy in certain areas and thin in others now they've kind of got three guys at every position Billy Donovan's going to have options and and I I give AK an A plus for what he was able to do with the deadline
0: yeah absolutely you know I hate personally and and a lot of people feel the same way about giving up first round draft picks however when you get an all-star center whose best years I think are still in front of him, and you know the eyeball test is always what I base everything on more than anything else, and I've seen Vucevic in person play, and he's always carved up the Bulls. I mean, he's really good. He can he can score on the inside. He's not the greatest rim protector on defense, but he right. does some help team defense, of which you know will come into play. Now he's going to need help from his others. Well, we'll talk about what the, will be the starting lineup going forward in just a second here. But he led the magic, Mark. I don't know if you realize this. He led the magic in just about every category there was. He led them in points. He led them in rebounds. He led them in assists. He led them in steals. He led them in blocks. I mean, this man truly deserved to be an all-star. He averaged 20, what is it, 25 points and 12 rebounds. I think his best years are still in front of him. When you get an all-star center, now all of a sudden, the Bulls can truly say, we got two all-stars
1: in our starting unit. That's pretty decent right there. And when you acquire a player of that caliber, all the analytics are thrown out there. You mentioned some of the stats. I saw one today that he's second in the league behind Embiid in terms of uh, post-up touches and opportunities. And he's like third in the league in pick-and-roll points. So if you put Zach Levine and Vucevic in a pick-and-roll, that gives you all kinds of options in terms of how you can attack the defense. He can roll the basket. He can finish with authority. He can pop out to the three-point line. You can dish it to there where he knocks it down at about 40% rate. He is a very versatile player. The one thing he won't give you, he's not going to block shots. And as you mentioned, he's not going to be that physical interior defender who blocks shots and protects the paint. But, you know, you'll take that. I mean, with all the positives that he gives you, and as I mentioned, you can bring in a Daniel Tice, who's more of a physical backup, who can give you a different look than what Vucevic does. And Tice can also step out and knock down an outside jumper. So it gives Billy Donovan a lot of options right now. Uh, they've certainly upgraded the team in the short term. And we've talked a lot about guys betting on themselves. I think in giving up the two first-round draft picks, AK's betting on himself and saying that we're going to be good enough that we're going to make the playoffs in these next three years. So those picks I'm giving up are going to be in the in the 15 to 20 range. That's something that's really going to hurt us by giving it up.
0: I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs this year, to be honest with you. Even, right. though, they, even though they upgraded – and we'll talk about this also. Nine of the next ten are on the road with no practice time almost, and all of a sudden this is going to be like uh, you know guys coming to the to the Y and you know playing together without ever having really played together. That's going to be interesting in itself. All right, so uh, the part of that trade, Wendell Carter Jr. and he's been a disappointment. I mean, I like him a lot. He was really an upstanding kind of guy. Injured each and every season that he's been in the league so far and just didn't pan out. I mean, he was not worthy of a number seven overall pick, unfortunately. Also, Otto Porter Jr., we've talked about him incessantly. I would have driven him to the airport. I would have walked him down to Orlando, to be <laughs> honest with you. And, and, and Mark, you know, they say that he's going to play the season there, but why would he not ask for a buyout down there? I don't understand it. To try and sign with some other team.
1: Well, it's just in the early hours after the trade was consummated, so I wouldn't be surprised if Otto Porter Jr. is eventually bought out. Matter of fact, I was just watching a segment on ESPN with uh, Bobby Marks, who's a former executive with the Brooklyn Nets in their front office, or New Jersey Nets when he was there. And and he said that he thinks Porter might be of interest to the Lakers in a buyout Mm. situation, which, you know, LeBron's a good GM. If he's watched Otto play, maybe they won't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But the other interesting thing about Bobby Marks is he said that you know, he was brought on just to talk about the deadline, and he, and he said his big winner today was the Chicago Bulls. He said that in his view, with the moves they made, he moved them up from a Tier 3 team that he labeled, which which basically is all the, the, the scrum of teams trying to get into those nine ten play-in spots. He says he's moving them up with these moves to Tier 2. He has them in the same category right now as Miami and Boston, which – I, it's kind of crazy to me, but for Bulls fans who've been suffering for these last few years, I'm sure it's encouraging to hear that he feels like that's, they're definitely now a team that's on the rise, and if they can make another good move this summer, you know they could be a team that could be solidly in the, in the Eastern Conference playoff picture in years to come.
0: Well, that other move has got to be a point guard. And I've been bitching about that for like the last year and a half now, but we'll see what happens in the off season. All right. So that was the first trade. And by the way, we should also mention that they did get the forward and I'm sure I'll butcher his name. Is it Al
1: Farouk Aminu? Did I say it right? Al Farouk Aminu. He, you know, he, he came into the league with a lot of fanfare. He was a top 10 pick by the magic. He went to Portland. I think he had one decent year, but he's been hurt a lot lately. And I don't think he's going to play. It wouldn't shock me if the Bulls waived him at some point. I don't think he's part of of any plans for the
0: future. No, no, he's he's a throw-in to make uh, to make the trade happen. All right, the second trade of the day then was, um, and you're going to have to explain some of this also to me. They traded Chandler Hutchinson and Daniel Gafford. No big deal either one of them. Right. Uh, I mean H- Hutchinson, who now all of a sudden magically is able to play in Washington. I mean. I need to know what's going on here with Hutchinson. Why could he not play these last two months? What's the story there? you were Did you see old- his
1: Instagram post today? Yeah, in the, I, oh, of the I city go. of Chicago, I and I, I, oh, I'm i out and running. I'm ready to play at you know my new team in Orlando, and it's that was one of the very well kept secrets. It never leaked what the personal reasons were that kept him out of the lineup, and and even when uh, Billy Donovan conceded a few days ago that Hutch was probably ready to play you know, he made it very clear, but he's not going to play, you know, because he hasn't shown anything in practice and, you know, he's got to build up his conditioning. So clearly uh, he was not a favorite of the current coaching staff. And I'm sure that Billy Donovan was happy to get him included in that trade. Well,
0: you know what? I, maybe I'm totally off base on this one, Mark, but if he's healthy enough to play all of a sudden down in, uh, well, he's going now to uh, Washington rather, right? Yeah. He's going to Washington.
1: Yeah. Washington. All- I'm sorry.
0: Right. Okay you know, if he's healthy enough to do that, something tells me that there was some kind of personal conflict going on here. I don't know if he got into a fight or a spat with somebody, but he was never going to see the court in a real game anymore. So something, something's really strange. Maybe Stacy knows that one. If you can find that, you know, wiggle that one out of him somewhere, potentially.
1: Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of the trade when they sent Jabari Parker uh, to Washington to get Otto Porter back. And that turned out to be a bad move for both sides. And Jabari Parker, we talked about him before. He got released today by Sacramento.
0: Oh, there, there's a shock and a half. Um, <laughs> all right, so Hutchinson and Daniel Daniel Gafford. And, and Daniel Gafford is pretty much a, a one-dimensional kind of player. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much to him. Now, in return, um, they got uh, Troy Brown, who's interesting. Troy Brown's been, interesting. In the league, been in the league a couple of years. He's young. He's only 21 years old, so he's got a chance certainly to take what should have been Hutchinson's minutes. And now with Otto Porter Jr. out of the way, I think this kid is going to get a real shot here. He's a good defender, if I remember correctly. He's got a decent shot. He's got a chance to play here.
1: And he's got some point guard in his background. So when he came out of Oregon, he was labeled as a guy that you know could be a 2-3, you know, shooting guard, small forward type, who can create off the dribble, can kind of be a secondary creator in transition. And I forget exactly where he was drafted. I think he was drafted in the early 20s. But, you know, he's a guy that that people feel has a a pretty big upside. And last year, he played a lot for the Wizards. He averaged a little over 10 points a game. And in the eight games that the Wizards played in the Orlando bubble, he averaged over 15 points a game. So he showed really well there. And then they invested a lottery pick in Denny Abdia, and Troy Brown's minutes disappeared. So he's not doing much of anything this year. Um, But he's only 21 years old. He can create a little bit off the dribble. I think he would give them a different dimension than what they've been getting from guys like Garrett Temple and Denzel Valentine. I think that he would be an upgrade over those two guys. Now, when a, when a kid is 21 in his third year in the league, sometimes a change of scenery will really help him. Maybe a change of scenery will really help Wendell Carter Jr. going to Orlando. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, Troy Brown, six, He can play the two and the three. As you mentioned, a pretty good defender. Um, I think that he could be a solid backup a rotation player. Who could give you some minutes at both of those spots, and then you won't have to see the crazy Denzel Valentine minutes where he's taking thirty-five footers and shooting the fourteen-foot floaters. You mean no more OMG in uh, ball games right. going forward, <laughs> old man game? <laughs> and I know, I know, our friend uh, C. Red Fred listens to the podcast every week, so my apologies, Fred. I know that you love Denzel Valentine, and and kudos to him for all he's accomplished in the game because he is limited athletically. Uh, Some games he makes it work with that, uh, let's say, unconventional style, but I think his minutes are are very quickly going to disappear with the Bulls. Yeah, I think so also.
0: Um, All right, also uh, in return from Washington, they did get the 6'11 center Mo Wagner, who was a good three-point shooter, um, but they used him also in the trade to go to Boston to get tight. So you're right, uh, they got rid of – and Luke Cornett goes in that deal also – Gee whiz, I'm really hurt by that. But you're right, Mark. They
1: got rid of three of their four useless centers today. <laughs> and Daniel Tice was starting for the Boston Celtics. This is not just uh, some throw-in in the trade, as I mentioned. Uh, he got the ball with a chance to win the game in Milwaukee last night. And unfortunately, he missed the shot. But he's shooting 55% from the field, I think around 35% from the three-point line. He's only 6 feet 8 inches tall, but he plays a lot bigger than that. He's a European guy. Very physical in the post. He's not afraid to bang with bigger centers. And, you know, he's gotten into a lot of foul trouble over, over the years in Boston. But playing limited minutes with the Bulls, if he picks up some fouls, who cares? He can he, uh, change of pace from what Vucevic is going to give you. And I think that, you know, you talked about the combinations of how they're going to do the starting lineups. They might be better off starting Thad Young to go with Vucevic. And then Lowry and play with the more physical Tice off the bench. It'll be something that Billy Donovan will have to evaluate as he gets these guys not much practice time available with the schedule, but after he sees a few games, he may decide that that's the better way to go.
0: You know, Mark, obviously uh, with, with Mark Eversley and uh, with tourist Karnishevis, you know, those are the guys in the front office. But I've said this all along, Billy Donovan had to have a major hand in, in what happened here today. Now, he's been praising his, his team, you know, probably semi-rightfully so. I'm sure they gave him everything that they possibly could, But I think he saw the limitations, not only physically, but maybe just as much mentally in a lot of the players that were dealt today. And I'm just wondering if you agree with that, that Billy Donovan, you know, he was the eyes in in not only the locker room, but on the court and on the bench and everything else. If you think he had as much say as anybody in what happened today.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And we've all played with people in our background that always took Defeats hard and kind of beat themselves up. And Wendell Carter Jr. was that kind of guy. You know his post-game comments after the loss to Cleveland, uh, with a couple of expletives thrown in, saying that we can't play like this. And you could see that the the toll of losing and for him playing poorly individually w- really had gotten the better of him, and it, it really impacted his ability to be effective on the court. And the irony of him going to Orlando, and you know this well, David, is that back in the 2018 draft, the Bulls were hoping that Mo Bamba would fall to them at seven. He wound up going to Orlando at six. And now the Magic has both of those guys who have both been very big disappointments in their NBA career. So that's how they're going to split the center position. They also have a guy named Kem Birch who might be better than both of them right now.
0: You know, it's interesting. You know, you say that he got, uh, talking about Wendell Carter Jr., that he got upset by losing. Well, he ain't seen nothing yet because yeah. Houston lost 20 in a row. But I got news for you. Orlando might top that. I mean, Orlando yeah. right now, and we'll talk about all the deals that they made today. They're god-awful starting, starting going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, they traded Bucic, they traded Aaron Gordon, they traded Evan Fournier to the Celtics. Yeah, they've got very little left. Uh, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac are out for the season because of injuries. That has uh, instantly turned into the worst team in the league. Yeah.
0: Uh, here's another interesting point, and actually, um, it was our good buddy Joe Colley, who always seems to find these little things. Um acquired a lot of players from overseas today and, and let's face it you know he's from overseas originally do you think that played into some of his thinking and you know they talk about some of the european players being a little bit more tougher minded than some of the us born players do you think that had anything to do with anything that he did today
1: I think in a small way it did obviously he probably has a better knowledge base than some of these european players and has talked to some of their coaches from their younger days and and maybe has a better understanding of what makes them tick as people. But I don't think that the fact that just just because they're European players that he sought after these guys, he's going for the best talent that he can find. And I think in Vucevic, he was the only center of that quality that was available. So he was willing to pay a heavy price to bring him in here. With Tice, I think his toughness, his mental toughness definitely had a big part in this because... You mentioned they they had the three backup centers, and none of them were effective. There were long stretches of games, in over these last couple of weeks, ever since the lineup change, where you would you wouldn't see any of these guys. You know, three, you see Wendell Carter Jr. coming in off the bench, and the other three centers wouldn't even play. They were going with six, seven Thaddeus Young at center, trying to battle against seven footers. So that was an area that obviously Billy Donovan wasn't happy with. I'm sure he told AK repeatedly, "You got to get me some help in the post because we're getting killed down there." So. You know, he may have had a better knowledge base of some of these European players, but I don't think it was just because of that that those are the guys they acquired.
0: Mark, if you know me, and I know you do know me, um, you've heard me say numerous times, in basketball, you, you, you have to build from the center position, and you have to have a point guard. And let's face it, they they took care of one of the two major problems, obviously, in the post with Vucevic, who, who not only can score in the post, but he was shooting 41, he has shot 41% from three. So not only can he do it inside, but in today's game, he can go outside. So he's a double threat. But they're still rudderless at the point guard position. And I know Sadaranski at times will give you a little bit here and there. And I know that uh, Archie Diakono will come off the bench and every now and then give you some point guard play. And And I'm sorry, Kobe White is not a point guard. I've said that numerous times. They still will need a point guard
1: for this roster to be more
0: complete than what it is
1: right now. And Kobe White is really floundering right now. He looked terrible in the game against the Cavaliers. He shot the ball poorly since the lineup change. I think he's shooting about 35% from the field and below 30 from the three-point line. Um, He's a guy that outwardly expresses a lot of confidence, saying he's all about winning and I'll put in whatever time I need to make an impact on this team. But, you know, the kid's only 21 years old. He got benched, and I think he, he took it to heart, and he's really struggling right now. Sadaransky he's a solid bet. He'd be a great backup. But as a starting point guard in the NBA, that's not going to cut it because you think about all the electric, quick point guards that are so hard to stay in front of. He can't guard them. So then you're turning it over to Zach Levine, who's carrying the offensive load. And even though Zach has made improvements on the defensive end, he's not going to be a stopper against all the great point guards in the league. Yeah, they've got to address that position. Colby White, even though he's very quick, very fast in a straight line, he's not a good defender either. So it is something that AK is going to look at in the offseason. I'm sure they'll revisit the whole Lonzo Ball thing. They can't sign him out right now because Vucevic is going to eat up most of the cap space they would have had going into this summer. So if they're going to try to go run Lonzo Ball this summer, it would have to be some type of sign and trade deal. Or they could go out in the marketplace and try to acquire some other veteran point guard. But it will definitely be an area they look at this summer, and we see now that AK is not just going to sit on this roster and, and hope it gets better. Uh, if he doesn't see any improvement from Kobe White in these last 30-plus games, he's definitely going to make a move to try to upgrade that spot.
0: Well, he has to. I, I think he knows. Listen, you and I knew. Um, I, I used to have this running conversation when I was part of the broadcast last year with Bill Wennington and Chuck Sworski, and Chuck said that he is a point guard, and I vehemently said he's not, and, and Winnington agreed with me, and he's not. He's not a point guard, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. He is a sixth-man kind of player. He can come off the bench. As long as he knows his role, Mark, I think he would be—he would shoot better and have more confidence. Come off the bench, play your 25 minutes a game, score your 20 points a game potentially, be a Vinnie Johnson, be a Jamal Crawford, be a, you know, a Lou Williams kind of player. If you know your role, I think he'll be okay. But no, no ifs, ands, or buts. They have to get a point guard, and we've had this discussion numerous times. I don't care where the league is nowadays. It, it, it To have more of a traditional point guard, he can score, but he also has to distribute the basketball, and I just don't think that that's what his forte
1: is. Well, there were multiple reports that the Bulls made a, a strong pitch to try to acquire Lonzo Ball, and the framework was going to be our restricted free agent, Lowry and for your restricted free agent, Lonzo Ball, because – Neither the Bulls nor the Pelicans are 100% sure they want to pay $18 to $20 million on the first year of a multi-year contract offer to those guys. The problem is that because Lonzo Ball was the second pick in the draft, was one of the cornerstones of the trade that sent Anthony Davis to the Lakers, you know, David Griffin, the GM of the Pelicans, wants to make sure he wins this trade. He wants to make sure he gets more than just a Lowry Markin, And so I think what ended up happening, and, and we won't know when, until, you know, days or months from now when the when details come out, is that the Pelicans drove a hard bargain and said, listen, if we're going to make this deal, you don't have any draft picks because you traded them to Orlando in the Vucevic deal, you have to take the Eric Bledsoe contract, which has two more years left on it at ridiculous money for a guy that ability. And I'm sure that's where the, the thing kind of fell apart because there's no way that Karnishevich was going to take Eric Bledsoe, uh, you know, and his money for two more years. And I think that, They got to a point where they couldn't find the middle ground. Um, You know, there was some talk maybe they would take Steven Adams back, but after they got Vucevic, they they didn't really want Steven Adams. So I think they kind of came to a point where they couldn't figure out a way to to make an agreement. Um, As I said, maybe they revisit it this summer, but I think that the Lonzo Ball thing is probably coming gone. It'll probably be a different point guard that comes to Chicago for next season.
0: Kyle Lowry did not uh, get traded by Toronto. So he's certainly, and I know you're a big uh, advocate of his, so he's certainly a possibility and all you got to do. And and listen, Chris Paul's going to the hall of fame. I mean, he's been an all-star for numerous teams. Now, all you have to do is take a look at what Phoenix has done this season to know that a a point guard, a heady point guard. And I like to use that word uh, can make such a difference in a basketball team right now. Phoenix is one of the best teams in the NBA. Now they've improved in a lot of areas, but that's where it all started with getting Chris Paul this off this past offseason.
1: Well, look at what the Clippers did today. You know, they've been kind of up and down all season long. They got bounced out of the playoffs early last season. They traded Lou Williams, a three-time six-man of the year, and two second-round draft picks to the Atlanta Hawks for Rajon Rondo. And Rondo wasn't playing a lot with Atlanta. You know, he really didn't seem to have a big role there, but – they're banking their money that he'll turn into playoff Rondo once again when the postseason arrives. You know he was a huge factor in the Lakers winning the championship last year. He played really well down in the bubble, and I think that they have trouble at times with Kawhi and and Paul George being kind of headstrong, and and I think they realize bringing in a guy with like Rondo with two championship rings and who's not afraid to fight with anybody. You know he's going to try to get that group in order, and maybe he can be the difference in them heading into the playoffs with a more disciplined approach. So, you know, a team as talented as the Clippers realize the importance of a veteran point guard, I, I think Arturis Carnigia sees it the same way. I don't know who they'll bring in next year. You know, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. He's out the window now, too, because the Bulls won't have any cap space. So uh, they're they're going to have to settle for a, a, a next-level guy unless they can find a team that's intrigued by Lowry Marketing and is maybe willing to do a sign-and-trade deal.
0: All right. So Markkanen's got the next, I don't know, 25, 30 games, whatever it is to at least prove himself, if not to the Bulls, to somebody else around the NBA. We can talk a little bit about him. Patrick Williams, I'm sorry, man. I'm—I'm I'm, uh, Even though he's still the second youngest player in the NBA, I've become a little bit disappointed in his non-aggressive nature on the court, Mark. And again, the, the game against Cleveland last night, once again, he, he doesn't shoot the basketball. He's You'll see once in a great moon flash of him going to the basket, but certainly not enough. So I want to see a lot out of him. I think Zach Levine is one of the big winners of today because I think he now knows that he's going to be in Chicago and he's going to get a big contract, I believe, a bigger contract, I should say, down the road, because now all of a sudden you see the nucleus of this Bulls team as as Karnishevich is going to build around not only Levine, but Vucevic going forward and hopefully Patrick Williams. So I think he's a big winner today. And I think Billy Donovan is a big winner as always today because I think he got what he wanted. He said that he would you know, do the best – well, he didn't say it, but you knew he would do the best he could with what he had. But I think he knew, like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, Mark – It wasn't nearly good enough, and I think he was a big impetus behind a lot of the moves today.
1: And the Bulls are obviously sending a message that they want to win now. They're not trying to uh, make trades to preserve cap space and get future number one draft picks and hope that a team stumbles into the lottery. They're trying to win right away. As you mentioned, the schedule is just incredibly difficult over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, they still could maybe squeak into that play-in situation just because of some of the injuries with LaMelo Ball getting hurt Um, with Toronto's situation. They didn't trade Kyle Lowry, so it'll be interesting to see if Toronto makes a late-season run to try to get one of those play-in spots. But there's there's not much separation between 4 and 11 in the East, so anything could happen. And, And the Bulls may descend a little bit in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I think Billy feels good that his head of basketball operations went out and improved them for this year and for the next couple of years so that this isn't a long rebuild that he's looking at.
0: I still see a one-game play-in between the tenth-place Chicago Bulls and the number seven New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden with Tom Thibodeau down the bench. It's a good story for me.
1: No, I'd be fantastic. I know Bulls fans would love to see that. I think Tibbs would love the chance to beat his old team and send them packing. So that would be a great storyline if it comes about. But you know, as I mentioned, with so little separation between four and and twelve, I think in the East. A lot of basketball left to be played. Those standings are going to be are be, are going to be jumbled a lot. Miami made some improvements. I think Miami's on the rise. I think Atlanta's solidly in the playoff field. Um, don't know what's going on in Boston. They did add Evan Fournier, who will give them another score to go with uh, with their trio of Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but the Bulls, are, I think, are still looking in that 8-10 to 10 range if they're going to be able to squeak in in any way, and we'll just have to see how quickly – Vucevic and Tice, and and maybe even Troy Brown can make an impact. All
0: right. Uh, You you mentioned some of the other moves around the NBA. Let me just add on to a few of them. You mentioned Miami. Miami got Victor Oladipo today. They also got Nemanja
1: Yelitsa. He's a a stretch four. A guy that can knock down three-pointers on occasion, but more often than not, he misses. He's a lot like Ursan Ilyasova. Some days he looks great. Some days you don't even want to bring him off the bench.
0: Now, I heard that they they might try somehow, you know, the trading deadline's gone. And unless there's something late that we haven't gotten, they were going to try and get LaMarcus Aldridge also. Yeah.
1: Well, LaMarcus Aldridge has worked out a buyout with the San Antonio Spurs. And reportedly, he's given back $7 million to get his freedom, which is a lot more than these guys usually give up. And the word is he's going to go to Miami. So he'll be a backup uh, for Bam Adebayo. They gave up uh, Kelly O'Linick in the trade for Depot, So they need another big guy and, you know, Aldrich doesn't have a lot left, but if he can help them win a playoff game by knocking down a couple of mid range jumpers, Pat Riley likes veterans. And, and I think that that he could help them a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how this Miami team comes together in the last two months of the season.
0: Let me think Would I give up $7 million to go to South beach. Normally I'd say no, but when I probably have made 150 million even before that 7 million, okay, I'll go to South beach.
1: Yeah, I, I think the figure I saw is that Aldridge just made two hundred million in his career. Two hundred million. He can afford. He can afford to give that up.
0: <laughs> Did you see that Otto Porter Jr. has made? Oh my God, he's only what twenty-seven years old. He's made like what one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty million dollars, and and I I had it to say grand theft robbery. <laughs> I mean, my God,
1: that's that's unbelievable. Well, when you watch him play out there, he looks like he's forty-seven instead of twenty-seven. It's just crazy. Yeah. we've talked about it in in past podcasts. I just wonder what the market's going to be like for him this summer. You know, he won't need the money because as you just mentioned, he's made up to last generations of the Porter family, but I I don't know what his basketball future is going to look like.
0: Yeah. Another team that was a big winner today, at least I think it was, was Denver. They did get Aaron Gordon. They really didn't move up. They they gave up a first round draft pick, but that's a late first rounder. Um, And they also got JaVale McGee from Cleveland. So I think they improved themselves. Listen, with, with uh, Anthony Davis and now LeBron James both down, the Lakers are you know going to struggle even to get home court in the first round. Right now they're number four and they're not that far ahead of number five or six. So the Western Conference, as it usually is, is the more interesting of the two conferences, at least in my opinion.
1: Well, they'll get LeBron and AD back for the playoffs and the word is they're going to sign Andre Drummond in the buyout market. So They'll be back to full strength. They'll probably pick somebody else up, too. Uh, I think the Lakers, when we get to the playoffs starting in late May, they'll be healthy and they'll be the team to beat.
0: Okay. And uh, one other uh, one that I wrote down, uh, Philadelphia gets George Hill from Oklahoma City. His best days are probably, you know, behind him. But it's interesting. All the dreg teams in the NBA. I mean, Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma City, you know, dump players, Washington dump players, Orlando, I mean, Orlando, they might as well put their cheerleaders out. They're not going to win any games, hardly going forward. So it was interesting because Karnishovitz did say in a a teleconference a couple of weeks ago that a lot of teams still feel like they're in it, including the Bulls, but there's a few teams that won't, you know, feel like they're in anything. And those are the teams that were basically picked like vultures today.
1: Yeah, I I loved his choice of words. It probably was a slip of the tongue, but he said some teams are delusional enough to think that they're still in it. But the reality is with these two play-in spots, I think out of sight of four or five teams, anybody could make a case that with a short winning streak, they could get back in the mix for one of those play spots. And we mentioned Kyle Lowry in passing. He said his farewells yesterday in a news conference. that went on for like 30 minutes. I saw some of it on NBA TV, and and it was almost disgusting. Well, disgusting is not the right word. It was, You know what it's like when reporters kind of kiss the butt of a guy of an athlete and, and they're all saying, Oh, Kyle, you know, thanks for all you've done for Toronto and happy birthday tomorrow. And I'm like enough already just ask, ask your question. But you know, they were all saying farewell and tossing bouquets at him for helping them win a, the franchise's first championship. And they were clearing out space so that they could do like a three for one or four for one trade to accommodate a salary. They sent out Norman Powell. He went to Portland for a couple of guys, Gary Trent Jr. And, uh, Who else did they get? Um, They got the shooter from Duke whose name is escaping me right now. But anyway, so they they were positioned to make a trade. And and then it got close to the deadline. They told all these teams that were after him. Philadelphia, the Lakers, Miami, make your best offer now. And apparently nobody upped the ante. So they decided we're just going to keep Powell Lowry. So now he's going to have to have that awkward news conference uh, his first game back. That, hey, I'm still here. And you know, they, they might have a chance to, to make a run at one of those playing spots.
0: Uh, you also made mention of LaMelo Ball. Unfortunately, with that broken wrist, he's likely done for the season. Let me ask you, Mark, did he do enough to still be Rookie of the Year?
1: It's going to be right on the cusp, I think, of whether or not he's playing enough games. Uh, Anthony Edwards is starting to come on strong in Minnesota. Obviously, they're just a god-awful team, and he's going to get to take all the shots he wants. With the coaching change, they moved him into the starting lineup. He had a 40-point game last week, so... He could make a late run. Tyrese Halliburton is having a nice year in Sacramento, but they're having a bad year as a team. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if LaMelo Ball still doesn't find a way to win Rookie of the Year.
0: Yeah, I think he will also. Um, Halliburton uh, is starting now. I don't know if that's because of injury to anybody else. It probably is. Um, He's not shooting as well as he was earlier this season coming off the bench. But his his assist to, uh, assist to turnover ratio is what I would want in a point guard. If if yeah. you know it's too bad. I mean, uh, Patrick Williams, I still believe will be a player in this league. He's I just think he's got too much talent not to be a player. But I would have if I was going to bypass him, Halliburton would have been a great player on this Bulls roster right now.
1: Yeah, you know, as much as they like Patrick Williams and have been talking him up. I think they—they—if they they had to do over again, maybe they would have taken Tyrese Halliburton. Not, you know, not being able to visualize how Kobe White would not develop as a point guard. You know, when you look at the totality of the roster, they might have been better off making the, the pick of Halliburton. But they went for potential and upside over a sure, more of a sure thing in Halliburton. I think they regretted it. Before we move on, you know, it seems like at least once in these shows, I have my senior moment where I can't remember anything. It was Rodney Hood, who I couldn't remember. Rodney Hood was the other player who went back. So when you look at it, they trade Norman Powell, who's having a career year. I think he's averaging about 19 points to Portland. So he'll help Portland's bench. But to me, Gary Trent Jr. is maybe just a slightly less, you know, lesser version of Gary Trent. And you get Rodney Hood. So Toronto might have won that deal.
0: Yeah, and going back to uh, um, Kobe White, listen, if Arturis Karnitiewicz would have asked me, I would have told him, take Halliburton, because Kobe White, knew. I've said this a million times now, he's not a point guard. But, you know, right. listen, they had, to, they had to see it with their own eyes, and now they know for fact.
1: Well, let's hope Patrick Williams does develop into an all-star like A.K. Soltan. Yeah.
0: All right, well, it's time now for our walk down memory lane segment. you want to lead it off, Mark?
1: Yeah, uh, I figured we might as well stick with the trade deadline theme. You and I have been a part of so many of them over the years. And I was racking my brain trying to think of some of one that was really impactful, and generally they're not. You know, you might pick up a guy that helps you around the edges, but very rarely do you hit that home run trade, you know, during the championship years. Jerry Krause was able to add guys usually in the off season. Remember in- in 97, they added Brian Williams, but that wasn't a trade. He was just available uh, to sign off the street. And he, he did some good things for them in the 97 playoffs. But in terms of trade deadline, the one that I was thinking about, just because I really like this guy as an interview and, and, a, and a person, Brad Miller. Remember, they signed Brad Miller as kind of a consolation prize in 2000 free agency. They were going after Grant Hill and they were going after Tracy McGrady, and they winded up with Ron Mercer and, and Brad Miller. Well, Brad Miller went to Indiana, became an all-star. I think he got one more all-star appearance with Sacramento. And they brought him back in, in February of 2009. They made a trade that didn't look like much at the time. They got Brad Miller and John Salmons in a deal. And I looked this up. It was Drew Gooden. And it was a couple other players that went back to Sacramento. And, you know, at the time, people thought, you know, not that big of a trade. But I remember they had a night practice, and Brad Miller came walking in and and just shaking hands with everybody hey guys i'm back you know this is going to be a lot of fun and and he enjoyed the give and take with the media he was really a fun guy to interact with you know he loved the midwest he loved going back to his home in indiana and doing deer hunting in the offseason and he was a big part of those teams he was a big part in helping develop joe into the player he would eventually become i mean joe looked up to brad miller because brad was the guy that that fought through, uh, you know, a lot of adversity along the way. He was traded. He signed with teams as a free agent. He really made something of himself in the NBA. And those two guys had a lot of fun together. Joe looked up to him as kind of a kind of a big brother. And Brad had some good moments along the way. You know, we'll never forget the 09 playoff series against uh, Boston, which was Derrick Rose's rookie year, and all those overtime periods. And remember, Brad missed those free throws that would have won a game in Boston. Then he came back the next day and had a big game. And they won, they won a game in Chicago to force a game seven. He was just a fun guy to be around. And that was at the time. And John Salmons was so good on that team. I mean, heck, he looked like an all-star at times when he, when he came over in that half season with the Bulls. So that was, that was a trade that maybe didn't look like much at the time, but was very impactful in the Bulls, not only getting into the playoffs, but almost beating the defending champion Celtics in the first round.
0: Yeah, I always use the phrase go-to guy, and I don't mean on the court, I mean in the locker room or in the clubhouse yeah. of baseball. Brad, Brad Miller was a go-to kind of guy that you would always want to go to even if you weren't interviewing him just to talk to, him, he was interesting. Yeah. yeah. He loved hunting and fishing back in his, you know, dear, um, uh, home of, of Indiana. And he would always come to games dressed in like those red or black yeah. flannel shirts all the time yeah. with his overalls or whatever else, you know, he would wear, you know, he was a, he was just a, a sort of a throwback kind of player. He certainly, you know, didn't move all that well, pretty decent shot from the outside. Yeah. And he was Tough guy, also he would not back down from anybody. In fact, I, I seem to recall, although I don't remember who it was against, he had a, a good pushing and shoving uh, confrontation with somebody. I just don't remember who it was. Well, he almost got
1: killed by Shaquille O'Neal in his first run with the Bulls. In yeah, game at the United <laughs> Center, he was walking away from the contact. Charles Oakley was involved in the play, and Shaq took a roundhouse swing and just barely missed him. We might not have Brad with us anymore if that would have connected.
0: <laughs> no, he was definitely a fun guy. All right, my, yeah. uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way, way, way back on this one and talk about another center that was with the Bulls. I'm going back to my to my rookie year, 1978. Artist Gilmore. Okay, um, this is in the old Chicago Stadium and the old locker room. I don't think you ever were in that one, Mark. This locker room was the size of a broom closet. I kid you not. And, you know, the players, I mean, there was one locker on one uh, side of the the hall, if you will, and the other right across. And after games, Artis Gilmore would sit there, and he always had those big bags of ice on his knees because he had terrible knees. Artis Gilmore was a legit seven-foot, two-inch player. And he would sit down with those two big ice packs on his knees, and his legs would be across – literally across the entire carpet from one end of the lockers to the other across the way. And the reporters back in those days, they had to sort of like shimmy around to talk to uh, the players. And, you know, you would you try really hard not to step on these guys because they're laying on the floor, if you will. But it was sort of hard because Artis was so damn big and his legs are so damn long. And I just remember whether it was myself or somebody else Accidentally sort of making contact with either that ice bag or or artist himself, his legs. And he had sort of like this sort of high-pitched voice about him. And you go, ow, ow, like this. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is seven foot two. He weighs probably close to 280, 290 pounds, whatever he was. He was he was a gentle giant, is really what he was. Artis Gilmore was a very, very effective player. And I actually remember him, I'm showing my age now. Back to his college days at Jacksonville, where it was him and I think the guy's name was Pembroke Burroughs, if I remember
1: correctly. Pembroke Burroughs third, the original Twin Towers.
0: Yeah, I mean, so they were across the front line, seven two seven feet. And I think the other guy on the front line, whoever he was, was 6'10", himself. Of course, they didn't win anything. I think UCLA beat him in the NCAAs. But Artis was a really good player. Artis actually had um, two different uh, um, times with the Bulls. He right. came very late in his career. Nineteen, gosh, I don't even remember what year it was. Nineteen eighty-seven yeah, with Jordan,
1: in, I think. Eighty-five. 86. Did for
0: for a very short time. Yeah. My, my other memory, and I think I've told you this a numerous times, where I finally, you know, and not finally, where I initially knew that Michael Jordan was going to be Michael Jordan. And Artis Gilmore was in a San Antonio uh, uniform, and Jordan. This is like Jordan's third or fourth game, Sunday afternoon at the United Center. And uh, there was nobody there because Michael Jordan really hadn't, you know, come on the scene, if you will, yet. And uh, Gilmore was uh, – Michael went down the lane, and Gilmore goes up about a foot and a half over the rim to block his shot. But Jordan went two feet over the rim and dunked on Artis Gilmore. <laughs> and and I'll never forget, I, that was one of my – probably my first, oh, my God, moments with Michael Jordan. But Artis Gilmore was a really interesting guy. He's come back a few times to Chicago – He's involved in some kind of uh, organization. I'm not even sure what. A really good guy, but it's really funny because the first memory I have of him was sort of tiptoeing in that locker room, trying not to stand on him or his ice packs. He was a good guy, really good guy.
1: Yeah, we're talking about uh, gentle giants and former Bulls centers who want to pass along our condolences to the family and friends of Granville Waiters who passed away earlier this week at the age of 60. Uh, Younger than us, David. Yeah. And, you know, because of the fact he was balding, he always looked like he was uh, an older player when he was in the league, but he contributed uh, to those Bulls teams. Uh, you know, obviously was not a frontline player, but but he was a contributor and a lot of Bulls fans remember him well. So uh, all the best to the family and friends of Granville Waiters.
0: Yeah, he's one of the players back from uh, when I broke in a long, long, long time ago. Did he go, did he go to Ohio State? I can't remember yeah. where you went. You went to okay, Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah, the Ohio State, unfortunately, gave the Bulls a lot of tall players that really didn't amount to much. Brad Sellers, been another <laughs> one of them. Uh, although he was a good guy also, to be honest with you. All right, yeah. Mark, I, I guess that'll wrap it up. It'll be really interesting uh, what happens with the Bulls. Nine of their next ten on the road. I've, listen, if they didn't make these trades, I would have told you they'd sink like a rock in water because they, they there was just like a defeatist attitude that was sort of pervading this team, and that's why I think more than anything else – on top of getting some more talent on this roster, that Arturis Carnishabus had to make some kind of thing, you know, even for his coach's sake, because I think his coach probably came to him and told him, you know what, Arturis, there's something wrong in that locker room. There's something wrong with this roster. You got to make some moves. And he did.
1: Well, people talk a lot about the bump you get with a coaching change in midseason and things like that. I think that you can get a similar bump when you make some player transactions that really re-energize the team. I'm not predicting they're going to go off in some long winning streak or anything like that, but this this road trip coming up could have been disastrous. It still might be, but now at least you figure like they're going to be competitive in all these games, maybe steal a win or two. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record, David, in two months. I mean, that's insane. So If, if they don't find a way to do that, this is going to be a very tough road trip. With no practice time, it's going to be a little bit difficult to assimilate guys like Vucevic and Troy Brown and Daniel Tyson into the lineup, but you know, you can run pick and roll with anybody, and when you've got talented players like Levine and Vucevic, I think it can make it work.
0: All right, until next week. Uh, have a good week, Mark, and we'll talk to you then. Sounds good,
1: David. Thanks.